Okay, uh, the risk of starting any later than actually intended. Hey everybody, welcome to my hero, uh, to the Ambit for Raw podcast, um, it is me, Game Hunter, uh, Spear is a little bit late, um, he should be here any minute now, so we're just gonna, just, I guess, not really start, but start. <clears throat> Just open up with some statistics if I'm allowed to. Jeez, for the reason, most of our uh, viewership is from Germany. Hello, Germans. Um, don't know how you feel about well, listening to two Americans talk about anime. But we welcome you um, here and everywhere else. Last week's episode, the one prior to this. I think I will actually go download that. Anchor, you just can't get an episode from YouTube. That'd be awesome.
Huh. That's weird. Um. Oh, this just went offline. I might have to review the episodes myself here in a few minutes. See so, yeah, here before I make those that this executive decision. Hope everything's all right over there. Hey, uh, welcome. Holy crap. What? You're only coming out of one spe speaker, and I think the speaker might be one of my monitors. Hang on. Is that a problem? I don't know why. It's just really weird. You sound like you're sitting on my left. I'm just seeing if I can quickly fix it. Okay, I would. I mean, I was. We. I mean, the pre-show ended, and I was just talking to whoever was listening. But um, I was just looking at analytics. Nothing started yet, so don't worry. I saw you go offline. I got really concerned.
You should be able to hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Angry. Oh, when did you stop hearing me at some point? No. No. Well, I mean, I was well, talking to you and you weren't saying anything. I figured you maybe I muted me. No, I didn't mute you. I couldn't hear you. I just went over and checked my settings, but they looked fine for output, but they didn't. It looked weird for input, so I switched I, it. I, I started hearing me again on your end, but I think I Jesse's been asking, Jesse's been asking me for like years to start playing Terraria with her again, and I was like, I played it out. Like I'm tired of it, but we um, we started playing it a little while ago, and we started having a lot of fun with it. So we just found a mushroom biome for the first time. I can't even remember what mushroom biomes are good for, but I remember they were like the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> so, um, even though the thing went off, I was like, let's just, let's look at it for a second before we go back up. So we looked for a second, but you know how long a second is in Terraria. It made me late. I guess I want to apologize to you for that spam yesterday. I, uh, I don't know what happened. I think I know it. What happened is that I got spam from somebody else that I guess got their account hacked. I didn't realize that the one I clicked on that link, it hacked me. I didn't realize it until I started seeing that I, uh, well, you said something which confused me. I was like, what's happening? I, I see the link. I'm like, I saw that link before. Oh, I got hacked, and I, I immediately went to go and fix everything. So you kind of saved me. <laughs> oh, really? You saved me it's by saying something. It was like I didn't even know that I had randomly text, randomly messaged you a message. So thank you for saying, huh? <laughs> You're welcome. But at the same time, like I actually did click on it because I was. It's been so long since I've had a hacked message, and it was you. And I'm like, I thought you probably did have some old, like six year old, like picture of me or something that you were gonna tease me with. You should probably change your password. I'm gonna warn you right now. That's how they got me. I didn't finish clicking. I clicked on it and it didn't load. And it was on my phone. No, and that's what happened to me. Oh, really? It didn't go anywhere. Oh. I will. I will. I should. I will warn you just to change the password just in case. I found somebody who was in Virginia in my account, and that's when I was like, "Wait a minute, that is not me." So I, I changed it. I mean, I, I there are too many people who have that that message got sent. So I'm hoping none of them clicked on that. Um, another friend of mine from high school responded to it, and I I was very shocked. Actually, I said I I told him to like change a passport. You know, just you know, I was hacked. All right, nobody's been in. Nobody's been in my phone for a while. So I think I'm okay for now. I will change it, but I don't think anyone logged in. I think I had two-step authentication anyway, where they would need my phone as well. Something happened. They got access, and I was, I was like, "Man, they're using me. They're using my." I was like, "I really didn't." I, I too many people asked me. Like, there's too much to clean up. So I mean, if they see that message, I I hope that they, you know, they they, they realized that it was a it was a spam. Yeah, I didn't, and it was my fault. So I got hacked. Right. It was my own stupidity. I didn't even realize it was a hack message until that happened. Because I was like, I saw that message to me from somebody else. I was like, did he have an old mess, old picture of me? Because he was a coworker. I was like, did he have an old picture of me? I clicked on it, and nothing 
Nothing loaded. I was like, huh. It didn't even dawn on me that it was a spam message. Oh, yeah. If I if I realized that, I wouldn't have clicked on it. And I, man, oh, well, I'll be doing. I, I, I barely use Facebook. Probably how they got me, too, is like, I, I barely use it. Like, it's not, it's not a social media platform that I actively use. Okay, um. I guess we're here for the next episode review of my hero and also the first episode of, uh, of uh, Dragon Prince. It's come back. All nine episodes are dropped and we'll be reviewing one episode at a time. Um, I see here in your notes you have a very small paragraph of Dragon Prince and I had already wanted to bring up maybe... Oh, you looked at my, you thought to look at my notes. That's cool. Huh? Oh, you thought to look at my notes. That's cool. Yeah, yeah with that, I... um. I, I had this idea before and I wasn't sure. And then based on your notes, I'm guessing maybe it's a very it's it's a very like compared to what you have from my hair academia, <laughs> it's a very small paragraph. So I was like, maybe we could just review season you know season four of Dragon Prince like right this minute, and then we can okay. move on to my hero and uh, we can end on we can end on my hero. So people who don't want to listen to us talk about Dragon Prince don't have to listen to us talk about Dragon Prince. Okay. Whatever you want is fine with me. I, I just figured it was a small paragraph. I guess you don't really have much to say. And I only watched it twice. I didn't rewatch it a third time. And I mean to say that I didn't watch it again for tonight. So I was going to let you lead this one. Uh, I was going <laughs> to bounce whatever I had off of your off of your topic, you know, leading here. Well, I'll leave it to you. Dragon Prince Season 4, uh, Episode 1. It's been two years, and we're finally here. And they do address the two-year time skip. Funny. From remember, but... Okay. Lead the way. Sorry, I just, I just finished resetting my password. I did it immediately when you recommended oh. it. Okay, so... There's been a two-year time skip, as you mentioned, um, since the last episode. We start into the episode and it looks like it's a very big time of peace for um ezra's kingdom and they're kind of all just they're catching you up and i, I think the um i think the show's self-aware that it's been like three years since their last episode so um they're not doing a recap episode by any means but they're sort of like a lot of this episode was just explaining where everybody's at right now um you see that um, Soren is using um, magic now, just ca- kind of like really casually on a reg. Like he's got like a water shield for when it rains and things like that. And he's just using it in his day to day. If I can, if I can stop you right here, I just want a refresher. So maybe you remember this more than I do. Um, magic isn't something that humans are capable of using, right? Then. Well, it was thought that, but um, Soren is capable of it. After he shattered the um, air globe that had the storm inside of it, where he was drawing all his magic from, mm-hmm. he was able to. Um, he was falling, and he was able to grow wings. I forget exactly the scenario, but he was able to grow wings. So he discovered that he, for whatever reason, he can use magic. Yeah, but I guess before I let you also continue. Um... Mm-hmm. Was it ever really explained what the world Claudia and Varen were using? Black magic. They were stealing magic from um, 
the creatures of the forest and stuff like that. Okay. I mean, fairy creatures, and they were stealing, drawing it from there, from them. Okay. And it's interesting because black magic seems like it permanently takes its toll on you. There was that red dragon that they met that was blind, but he could smell the black magic on him, even though he hadn't used it that recently. So we know that black magic, like, sits with you, and it's and obviously doesn't sit well with fairy creatures because they know that you used it by stealing it from living fairy things. Yes, it means that it draws on death. Okay, I just want to make sure because I was watching this episode twice yesterday and the day before. And that was kind of weirding me. I, I, I was trying to remember because I haven't watched the series in forever. Okay, continue. I just wanted to make sure that was for my <laughs> clarification. Also for anybody else probably watching this who doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah, so that was basically it. Like, they have to draw, you have to draw magic from something. And humans, as far as um, fairy creatures could just naturally do it. Like, they just had naturally intrinsic magic. But as far as they understood, humans couldn't do that. They had to steal magic from something. So they either contain a storm in a bottle, or they'd kill something and use its death mag, you know, and use death magic to like mm-hmm. make it theirs or something like that. So that's kind of like where that went. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because like I, I I was watching it and I I feel like I knew this information, but I just need thank you, thank you for You're welcome. Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, Claudia has done what she said is some terrible things um, in the name of helping her father, like, get back to himself. Um, Soren has, and, and he's back for a month. Soren has used his magic to, like, on a regular basis now, like, he's the head wizard. Um, it's generally known that he's he's a magician. He's a power excuse me, of high stature. Um, Ezra pulls together a um, council at one point, and the council seems very, like, quaint and not kingly, and I thought that this was very interesting because in previous episodes when he was king, the woman the, the woman that is in white with the crown had thought that Ezra was not built to be a king because he was, like, he didn't want to do all the kingly responsibilities. And now here we have Ezra kind of in the same boat. He's just not doing them and and sort of avoiding all of that. And it makes me wonder, like, what's really going on? And if anybody's really ruling the world, because, like, their big decisions were, like, the title of the new head baker and bait is on the council and, and things like that. So there's a sort of, like, lighthearted innocence to it, but then there's also sort of a red flag for me that... Um, there seems to be like a little bit of negligence involved in like this whole process that like Ezra seems to be kind of allowing himself to ignore um, things, kingly things that he should be doing. And then possibly Um, even go ahead. I mean, you say that, but I, I don't see it here, but like, what do you consider Mm -hmm. the, the dragon visiting thing? I, w- I thought, based on what he was doing there, on w- what he was saying, now that this could be too, too, too full. You know, we don't know really what's why he's allowing the dragon to visit. Um, also, I could have sworn the dragon pr- queen died, but I guess she didn't. That they're trying to like mend the. Uh, the mend- queen died. Hmm? Why would the dragon queen have died at the last? At the end of the last episode is when we first saw her, and she was like, "My children, you're all so beautiful." 
And that was sort of like how things ended with like everybody holding hands and checking things out. I don't know, I feel, I feel like the, okay, maybe I'm, maybe, like I said, I don't remember, I don't remember the last season all that well. Some of the, <laughs> some of, like, the major story points I remember, but, like, not too much. But, like, you don't, what, what do you consider the whole meeting of the Dragon Queen and, you know, the the people of uh, Zadia? Wait. Is Zadia the best that, that, that he's supposed to be the king of? Oh, I'm sorry, what? Uh, well, what's the kingdom name of, like, what's, uh, um... That uh, Ezra is is supposed to be king of. Zadia. So yeah, the, the kingdom of Zadia and then and then the Dragon Queen. They're supposedly meeting. He said that uh, the the big meeting, the big thing that tomorrow that they're doing is that they're trying to like mend the relationship between the fairy creatures and humans. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sorry, Ezra's kingdom is Catullus. Zadia is where the fairies live. Okay, the kingdom of Catalus and the kingdom of Zadia are supposed to be meeting. Well, the dragon from Zadia is supposed to be coming in. The dragon queen is supposed to be coming in to, I guess, have like a visit. Um, that's gonna be fun. But uh, what do you consider that? You know, that him asking her to come and visit is that not like a big kingly decision or? Except he admits that he's really that one of the biggest reasons he's doing it is because he misses his friend, Zim. So like I, they accuse him of that. They say, "Are you really like, are you really doing this for your kingdom, or are you just like, do you just miss Zim?" And he goes, "Can it be both?" But we know that like he's influenced by the fact that Zim is is involved. So I mean, we know it literally as an audience that he's he that it's a thing. So it, I struggle to, um, I struggle struggle to be fully, like applauding him for that when i know the context sorry no i'm just like i'm trying to read i don't remember those exact wording maybe it was said in a way that it, it definitely didn't catch me a card i'm just gonna rewatch that part but you can continue i just want to make no, sure that I, I i am you know that my knowledge is correct yeah but anyway they don't, they don't seem to be doing very much of import like the king doesn't the council doesn't seem very kingly Bates on the council the chef is on the council because they're all his friends or like I know a king would want their trusted people on there, but there's also people that just have jobs that need to be considered, you know? And he's not really doing that. He's still kind of being a kid about it. And of course he is because he's sort of a kid, but now he's kind of an old kid, you know? And like, it, he is. He's an older no, kid I'm just, now. I'm sorry, just the way you said it. <laughs> he's a kid, but he's actually an old, old, old kid. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Just the way you said it. <laughs> it's all good, but like, he is though. He's like he's not the little kid that should be doing these kind of things anymore. He should be a little bit more responsible as a king if he's going to play that role. And I think that um and then there's this little moment of intrigue where they're like they're whispering something and and Soren doesn't know what it is and he's like you guys going to fill me in on it and you think that maybe this is where like the plot line picks up and like there's something going on there where like there is like this subplot of like um danger or you know someone moving in the in the shadows that we don't know about and then we just find out it's a surprise birthday party for Soren. so it's it's a rough plot if you're trying to get really invested in what's going on because um there's nothing really going on in that way 
And it's not that I didn't enjoy it because I enjoyed this enormously. And it was an important episode, but like, I think the conflict that was set up here was that Ezra's not quite doing everything that he wanted to do. The only like little sort of um, hint to me that like there was something deeper going on was I know that these are the people that wrote Avatar and the guards, the way they were kind of like standing in front of the pillars and they had slanty eyed looks when they were talking about the dragon queen coming. Um, it could have been inter interpreted as those guards were um, just worried about, you know, the queen of all dragons, like who they've been, they've learned is like, you know, they've been raised up to think is dangerous. It's at 949. Um, but I also got like a very, very light and I noticed this without thinking about it the first time, and then I noticed it a little more deliberately the second time. But I got very light Dai Li vibes from that. Do you remember the Dai Li from Avatar? Uh, yeah, you mean, uh, was it Judy? No, you're thinking this, uh, the other Avatar. I'm talking about the first Avatar. Avatar, the, Air the last Airbender one. That's what I said. I like the. What was the name of that lady that was brand? You talking about the? You talking about the when they were at the Earth Kingdom and as you started, as we slowly started getting into the Earth Kingdom, we started noticing that there were some people that were brainwashed. Because I feel like that's that was the Dai Li. Because the Dai Li is a part of the Earth Kingdom, right? Yeah, the the Dai Li were the guards there that kind of really ran the show, and the king like the king was kind of protected and was kind of out of touch with reality. And that's, had no that's what idea. I was saying. Wasn't there, wasn't there like some brainwashing going on, especially with that Ju Judy lady? It was. Oh, I thought you meant like Judy do the thing, Judy from the other Avatar. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not 100 clear now that you're talking about it that way. I think that. But we're on the same page, whether it's Judy or not. Like there was a the Dai Li were actually in charge of the city at that point. And uh -huh. that was who you were supposed to be keeping your eye on, not like the last Airbender, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. So, um, but real quick, I, I I've well, watched it and I was trying to as I was trying to listen to you and also listen to them. Um, the wording wasn't like there, but I guess at the same time I can see what you mean. Like you know, she's asking Ezra to think it through. Um, so I guess yeah, you could say as a little kid, but I, I feel like he, his heart was still there. I mean, even if it was because he misses mm -hmm. them, I think he really does want to improve the relation relationship. Now, is it is is like the relationship between the kingdoms like his first forethought? Probably not. But um, I'm pretty sure his heart's there. It's just not as you say, kingly. He would probably as a king would probably uh, first of all um get the okay from his people you know if they are okay with a massive dragon lady walking through their streets um right unless the dragon she can turn into a human size who the heck knows but um one way or the other it's going to be kind of alarming like the words out now those two guards know um they're not going to like not go home and tell their wives holy shit the queen of all dragons is going to show up and say hi um, with the king of, like, with the prince of all dragons in tow, you know, like, it's gonna, word's out. Like, that's, that's all there is to it. Like, word, word on the street is this dude's on his way. So, I don't see, um, I don't see that not being a thing, <laughs> you know? I, I understand, I just, like, I, I feel like you can go both ways on that, because the wording wasn't really 100% there. 
but I can see what you mean. And I, you know, it sure can. It just this has got to be. They've got to be building a plot somewhere, right? And this is the signs that I see right now that of a plot in progress. That we have like almost nothing going on here unless we we try to read between the lines a little bit. You know, what I mean? even Deering like is is very tame in this. Like he's like you know, like he's. Like oh, Darren is taking a, like a one eighty. He's not the he's not the same character that he was in season one. And I think that was the whole idea of why he went through that transformation and died. Apparently confirmed he died, um, in season three. Yeah. So, yeah, but even he seems like mild. He doesn't seem like the deep plot point. The obvious plot points we have are that the cocoon's there and it's growing something and we don't know what that the um the elf the sh- the elf that like they've been working with is Azarel is it I'm I'm rough on the pronunciation like Erevos Erevos thank you Erevos is obviously got something under up like up his sleeve um, I I want to say and I thought about this as this was happening and they're talking um mm-hmm. I think, uh, hear me out. I think Erebos, um, Erebos says he's inside of a, he's inside of a prison in a, in a magical world from where he doesn't know where he he is, and they need mm-hmm. to find the door to get him out. Um, based on the fact that Erebos was able to squeeze out a, a caterpillar, <laughs> buddy, <laughs> through the veil. I'm willing to bet, considering also, if you, if you remember correctly, as as Varen was using ma- magic power that was given to him by Erevos, um, um, you know, he was changing, and, like, his skin, as you said before, dark magic has a, has been shown to have a permanent effect on you. Um, and also, Erevos has told Claudia, we, we also know Claudia is also very gullible. This isn't like a season three, oh my gosh, you know, she, we've, we've known for a while that you could probably talk Claudia into anything. Um, and also she's Claudia, very, huh? she's very devoted to her father. I feel um, like she's gullible, though. I mean, I feel like you know, I'm not saying that as, as like a negative thing, or you know, it's something that you know she's dumb or anything. Like I'm just saying that I feel like if the circumstances, like her father, for instance, we we know that she didn't want to believe her father was evil or doing anything nefarious. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't evil because he was just trying to get, he was just trying to become crown king. But you know, whatever. Um. You know, she didn't want to believe that he was doing anything nefarious, and it led to his demise and his death. She brought him back, and she said she did things she didn't think she could do. Hmm? He was nefarious as hell. He planned the coup and the king. And he, also, but uh, she didn't want to believe that. She was doing shit herself. She was torturing, like, doing horrible things to, like, forest creatures and harvesting them and treating it like it was fun but she also she, didn't know that was bad but crying aloud like, I like what i was saying with her character i don't think claudia understands or really grasp a lot of what's been happening regardless if it's been happening in front of her um because she uses dark magic and she doesn't know what she's doing i'm well i don't know what she does she, but she she doesn't seem to grasp that much she doesn't think i'm, I'm pretty sure something was done to her at a young age that would probably make her believe that all she's doing is not that bad granted she has to said that the thing she had to do to bring her father back she didn't know she was capable of which is also another red flag but um 
she seems pretty resourceful, independent, and capable in most things, in my opinion. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that I don't think, like, based on, I don't, I don't think she truly believes her father was nefarious or whatever. Now, based on whatever he was doing, you know, with Garros or whatever, it's obvious that he was being fairly, he was being fairly devious. But um, I think she believes her father and is extremely like loyal and devoted to him, and that that's kind of like the problem here for her. I, I, I don't think I don't I don't know. It just to me is like, regardless of how devoted you are, you you would call your your whoever it is, regardless of your if you if you if your brother, your father, mother, whatever. I don't think you know. I think she truly grasps what's going on. That's this is my take on her. I think she's just unable to grasp what's going on, or she doesn't want to. How about that? She doesn't want to grasp what's going on here. Um, there's the point that she what I don't know how many fairy creatures she killed to even get him. All, uh, like to, to get him. Huh? What? She killed all the things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she 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 did a lot of things. She said that you know, and she was crying, so she, she can definitely grasp death. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if she knows what she's doing to fairy creatures is killing them, but whatever. The um, was crying. Huh? The girl character was crying. Well, that makes it okay. I like saying. Like I want to say, based on everything she's done here, I don't think she took completely 100% grasp what she's doing. She's probably 90% grasping what she's doing, but I don't think she's 100% grasping what she's doing. Basically, what I want to say is, I, I think my my theory is, I think and I'm, this is probably almost evident just by what's going on. I think Erebus wants to take over um, Varen's body. One, yeah. he says that he can he can alone make his revival permanent. That doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> Yeah. I think he wants his body, and I say this mainly because Varen's body has been changing throughout the course of the entire series that he's been a part of. He, and he's he's been talking, Eros has been talking specifically to Varen, doing everything he can to make sure that Varen's the only one that can hear him. The only time he didn't do this was when he was talking to Claudia. And he told Claudia specifically he need, what she needed to do to bring him back. I mean, he probably made a husk. And it's probably intending to not like he's probably gonna let the the month play out and then when you know when varen does officially die he'll be dead for good but the literally the body on the ground she doesn't know what she did but um if you were erevos would you be trying to help varen stay alive at this point or would you be much more interested in um, seeing if there's a way you could take Claudia instead? Are you are you are you proposing that that maybe he's going to take over Claudia instead? Is that what his goal his goal is? Nothing in the story has suggested that, but boy, it makes a lot more sense to me if he took Claudia at this point than than, than him. Claudia is a much more like she's not going to die in like thirty days. You know, like, think about it this way. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, I mean... Let me speak this out, because I'm going to forget it. If I... Uh-oh. Varen, um, Varen supposedly is going to die in 30 days. And he's an older, weaker body than Claudia. Claudia is more impressionable and less smart about these kind of things. She's more manipulative more able to be manipulated than um, 
and and doesn't have an ambition the same way. Um, and at this point, on top of all that, his um, her father's will is kind of like damaged, if not broken, right now. So he's had two years to work with Claudia, which is more time than he had to work with um, Viren in the first place. And he's in a cocoon right now and vulnerable. There's something going on in that cocoon with a caterpillar. We both think that he needs some sort of human host or, or as an anchor for some reason in the future. Claudia has done some horrible things under this thing's um, instruction while, while like working to bring the father back. If you were Erevos and you needed to keep Claudia busy for a month while your cocoon finished up, wouldn't it be great to send her on kind of a fool's quest to like take care of Viren while you like finished up your thing, and then you could take her over when you came back? And like, who gives a crap about Viren once you have Claudia? Well, the thing is, you you, you make it you make a good argument, and I guess honestly, I guess realistically, you probably would because I mean maybe Claudia's got more magic uh, aptitude. But here's the thing: sometimes you want like it isn't really about like um, aptitude. It's mostly about like um, the, you know the age or something like that. Because sometimes like magic users typically the the better ones are typically older, as it is. And on top of that, they say that Varen's gonna die. They don't really talk about the body. Because even Claudia mentions that you know he had to get used to being alive again, which is an odd statement to make. Um. Unless there's something else that we don't know what's going on there, and also, you know, um, yes, Cla he did have he did have Claudia do all this, but who's to say that you know, as you said, she's manipulative. She, I mean, she's she's able to be more manipulated. What if who's to say that like as he as he was doing this, he he could like suggest anything to Claudia, and she probably wouldn't ask because she's very desperate to get her father back. Mm -hmm. Like who's to say that you know as he was doing all this, um. He also cocooned like his corpse apparently as it was all mangled up. Who's to say that as he was telling her to revive all this stuff and he, the things he was asking her to do? Who's to say that as the spell was being made, it didn't do anything else besides pull Varen back from the grave? And even if like even even with the whole I don't need Varen things, I mean that's honestly true. I feel like maybe getting rid of his spirit is basically all he's really trying to do. Cause I think as I said before, I think he just wants a husk. I, I, I think uh, Erebos might actually be dead himself, and like he's somewhere, he, he's maybe somewhere he else. Wants, hmm? Maybe he just wants a hug. Maybe it's not a hug he wants. He wants a hug. Ugh. But I like theories. Like, this is this is the crackpot theory. But I'm pretty sure maybe Erebos is dead. Maybe he's like some spirit or something somewhere else. Like he doesn't need he he doesn't have a body. And like, he, he he feels like maybe unassumingly he could take on a human body and do what he wants to do. Cause again, we don't know what Erebos, like we know Erebos did something. Cause like, it seems really weird that he was stuck on the other side of a mirror this entire time. Um, and the runes are, that are on the mirror are particular, are curious as well. But like, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's like, I don't know. Maybe if he is trying to take over Claudia, it didn't really cross my mind. But I thought maybe somebody who's used, who's got more, you know, time, knows how to use magic better, would be a better host than a young person who doesn't have that much. She, she's, she's like able to learn, and maybe she's got more aptitude towards magic. 
Um, but I was like, you feel like maybe somebody older, and maybe who knows? Maybe he'll take her. He'll take her. He'll take him over, and then mold her, and then take her over. I really think the point is just that. I really think the point is just that she's younger, and has a stronger body, and he's going to come in with the knowledge anyway. But I mean, if the body can't handle the knowledge, what's the point of having the body? It's a girl. Yeah, like, I mean, like, who knows, what, like, what, honestly, all what he is, like, capable I of. Hmm? I just wanted to mess with you. It's a girl. <laughs> oh, I got a girl. You know. I don't even know if you want, I mean, then again, who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's, they, I mean, nothing really, there's no boundaries in this world, so who knows? But, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I mean, I guess it, make, it makes sense that he probably, I mean, Claudia's also having the, the body transmogrification thing happening to her her hair is half half white and that happened at the end of season three if i remember correctly when she was using magic to bring him back or try to bring him back oh yeah the first time she tried bringing him back it wasn't successful and her hair turned white in the process well half white because beforehand like she did she definitely had a white strand and she was trying to hide it Yeah, but I mean, her her streak is fifty fifty now, so it's like yeah, she's no, I mean, but of... by the end of the season three, she uh, she was trying to bring him back and it didn't work. I think pretty much what they're referring to what she did here is like they, they have they had leeway because they didn't have an, they didn't have an episode in the three years he said, and they made reference to that kind of. Um, I guess we'll find out. I feel we'll, we we probably honestly surely won't know what Erebus's goal is here. Until season five, I I suspect it's only nine episodes. So like, unless they really, really like go forward <laughs> for the plot, episode two, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I you know, I don't know. There we'll see what's really going on by the end, but before the end of the season. Um, I'll let you continue. Sorry for dragging you off there. No, that's fine. Um. I think that she's just on a precipice. I think the idea there is that she's like teetering between good and evil and she has the black and white streak. And in this case, I think the white streak is evil. Um, And like even the two people she has on her side right now is like Terry's a little sketch. Um, He sounds like discount Korg. I put Drax, but I meant Korg from the MCU, the rock guy. Oh, yeah. Um, he sounds like just sound court. Like he would at least have a good conversation, good old heart to heart conversation with Korg if they ever met. Um, but he uh, he's not good at magic. He's not powerful. The other the dad is powerful. The dad is known for evil. Terry seems to be known for good. Um, but who knows? I mean, with how duplicitous Claudia is, he could be just as duplicitous. But at least we have a pretty good idea that he's not powerful. Um, and again, this is just a very silly world in general. Like I'm putting my notes that the dancers were all doing the floss at the birth- birthday party for their dance. Um, that was a little, little, uh, disturbing. I-, I think I had some nightmares about that one, actually. Not the floss. Oh God. <laughs> you know, one of those. um, and that's kind of it. Like the the obvious conflict, like I said, is Avaros like 
doing like has some plan it involves a cocoon and claudia and her father Aviren. and other than that i i think that the conflict here is about what's going to happen when the dragon shows up um that not everybody's going to be as optimistic about it as good-hearted wholesome um oh my god main character oh sorry no the ezra I don't think everybody's as good-hearted as Ezra seems to believe they are. And I think that he could be in for some disappointment. Um, I think that... I think that that's like there's a lot of things like that in place right now that we're going to see pan out. And that's going to be a lot of the intrigue of what's going forward here. But it was a good episode. I thought it was sweet when Janiyah uh, proposed to Maya in sign language. Um, and ended up saying, do you want to wrestle? <laughs> If I had to play a devil's advocate, that's not that's not a wrong thing to ask in a marriage situation. Because you're going to wrestle, quote-unquote, afterwards anyway. <laughs> you can say that again. Um, <laughs> I, just, also, I, just, I had to say that. I'm sorry. I just, I just thought it was kind no, of funny. <laughs> there's also sort of an innocence in the elf worlds, too, where the elf queen um, that she's marrying, Janae. I love you, Janae. Um, sorry. <laughs> There's also that sort of like um, mixed message there too, where she seems very optimistic about the future, but at the same time, we've got um, her guards and her people kind of like not a hundred percent bought into bringing a human over to the elf side, and the elf and the humans are not so great at like a fairy creature over to you know their side. So there's definitely notes of division going on here and and notes of cl clashing worlds, you know what I mean? With the elves and the humans, the humans and the elves, um, Claudia and her father. Um, there's just a lot of that clash going on here. And I think it's as peaceful and innocent and sweet as this episode is, I think it's boiling, um, boiling a little bit up very subtly in the background. So, and I'm here for it. I'm curious how to, what's going to go on with that. I guess as we as we transition to the next show we're going to talk about here, I want to. Uh, you do notes. You do have your notes here, but you don't actually speak it. Um, Rayla and Soren. Well, mostly Rayla left Soren during his birthday, and I guess yeah. that happened during like the two-year time skip that we weren't there for. Um, I've been thinking about this particular statement that he made that, you know, you know, this is no longer my birthday because Rayla left me on this day. I've been trying to rest. I've been wrestling with this statement because it seems really the way Soren states it. It sounds like they had a fight and then she just ran off. But I also think that maybe maybe she ran off for like some kind of gift or something like that and never managed to get back. Like, left because she's afraid of um, being too close to people, which we see all the way through the previous series. She might just not be able to be close to people and, and kind of like had to take off for her own reasons. I guess I don't know, it, just, it just seems not really that. weird that like she's so far the only character I don't think we've gotten to catch up with actually. What no, character do you probably she... care about? You know. We know she's not there, and we don't know she could be dead. Maybe we're not really so sure. <laughs> I don't think so, she's dead, though. I think we could take death off the table. <laughs> I think, 
Um, I think you're right. But, you know, like I said, for all we know, like, we don't really know what's going on in 100%. So, when we definitely know the night elves don't like humans. Like they, I think they're one of the, one of the two tribes that we know that are very vocal about not liking humans. The other one being the uh, fire. What was it like? It was like sunfire elves. Yeah, the sunfire elves. The sunfire elves <laughs> are very vocal about not liking humans, and also the night, uh, the night, uh, the moon knight or night moon. I forgot the name of the, the you know the tribe that she belongs to. Um, we'll probably find out whenever they show back up again but um the night moon elves they were two huh the moon knight we're going into the dcu now i got you like those two trials have been very vocal now i don't know about like terry i think he even mentioned what tribe he was from i think it was like the terrestrial or something like that elves terry Um, mcginnis dang it we we know i don't know what what they're like considering that he seems to be very not standoffish about liking a human. Uh, so I don't know. Like, like we know there are two elves tribes that are very, very against humans. Um, so I guess yeah, maybe it's her own personal problems. Like she doesn't. She kissed him when in a very high, high moment, and mm-hmm. we never saw like the ending of that. Kind of like how Katara and Aang kissed at the end of the series of um, Avatar. Granted, that wasn't really a high tension moment. That was just more like we can now have a life situation. But yeah. So you were saying she kissed a human and she liked it. Essentially, she doesn't know how to deal with it. Apparently, I don't know. She kissed a human. She liked it. I guess with Must that we can. Very We can then t- move she on to just to try it. Done yet. <laughs> are, are you good? Begin. She's got all I love. Do, 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 Moving on to um, My Hero Academia, <laughs> season six, episode seven. Um, we got so gotta go. Red, I love. Sorry, dang it. He's in rare form. Uh, this guy, He's just, <laughs> in, just in the rarest form. <laughs> It's it's a little rare. It's like if it was a steak, we'd probably send it back. We're talking about episode seven of My Academia season six. Um, we continue off with the last one where like again, um very bare First. bones uh like synopsis of this episode before we talk about it. Um, everything's gone to hell. <laughs> My er- our initial take on this was that the filler in this series is just incredible. Like, the, the quality of the filler that they've been doing lately, I'm really blown away and impressed by it. Are you done? <laughs> I get yeah, it, enough, Robbie. I get it. We can move on now. <laughs> the episode. It's obviously filler when she's not in the episode. Uh, I wonder if this is, this is a joke that's even catching on, or you're just trying to bury it. <laughs> what? I don't know if this joke is trying to catch on, and I'm just not aware of it, or you're just trying to bury it. I, I don't know what you're trying to do here. Bury the joke? Yes. Like on Wounded Knee? Like, what are we talking? Uh, bury my I, joke I, on Wounded Knee. Um, we uh, return to... 
I guess no, this this kind of struck this beginning episode at beginning of this episode really struck me as weird. Um, it, it seems like either the outside world doesn't know this is this this entire thing is happening, or th they have that much faith in the heroes that they don't care. Because they kind of compare this incident, like right now it's happening, to Deka City, and we know we're near finished with it yet, <laughs> and we it's know what happened to Deka City. <laughs> Game Hunter, it's not like they announced their their secret surprise raid like to the world before they did it. Yes, you're right. We're gonna we're gonna raid the city. We're gonna raid the hospital. Okay, let's notify the media. What? I'm just saying that this. <laughs> then again, I guess there was also that scene of like people noticing there was very few heroes or top heroes around. Yeah, there was that, and then there's, the, I mean, the humans, like, the regulars know, because they they spend the whole episode having sort of, like, an Evangelion moment where they're like, we're out of control! Well, I mean, the news mm -hmm. reporters, that's why I was just saying, because we see, we have we have scenes of, uh, Deku's mother shopping, which is kind of cute, Bakugo's mm -hmm. mother reading what I believe to be, or looking at a book, photo, books of, um, a book of photos of Bakugo, I'm guessing, as a kid. I don't know, it, mm -hmm. it's a Katsugi memory. I could only think that it must have something to do with her son. Um, We, we also have, well, I mean, Alma knows what's going on. He's watching everything happening as he's watching with Eri on his lap in, a in front of a computer as he's sweating bullets. But then we have, like, we have, I think, uh, hmm? to your credit, I think it's people do notice, um, when an entire city is being destroyed. Never mind like the hospital. Like you would you would think that word would get out somehow across the world about that from there. So I think you're right, there is a little bit of plot hole slash absurdity in that point. So I, I'm gonna retract and say that you're probably right there, that that's that's a pretty weird point in the in the show. I guess not really. I mean, they're trying to. I mean, I, I'm trying to detract what I said, but um, honestly, they're trying to. I think they're trying to contain everything, and they're also moving people out. So there are civilians that are aware of what the heck is happening. So maybe it's just that these this select people, like either they're that confident in what's happening with the heroes, or they don't know what's happening. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of scenes of just like happy everyday life happening, like Todoroki's sister. Uh, or or his older brother, like they're she's at her job and he he's at college, and then we have their his mother. You know, she's looking out a window. Great, we don't know which we we can't see her face here, and she's got a blue flowers because I guess at some point I never sent her flowers before he he left. Um, but uh, and maybe they are aware and they're listening to the Ricks. I mean, we do have the scene playing out as we were watching all this, and we're just like we're we're seeing the words on the screen. Maybe they were listening. Maybe they got the radio on, and again, maybe they're just not that. Maybe they're just that confident. Granted, the whole point of what the villains have been doing up to this point was to you know bring down the morale, of the heroes from the civilians. So like, I don't know what's really all. Maybe there's a plot hole. I have no idea. It just seemed. It just kind of struck me as weird that you know. I mean, I'm not expecting mass hysteria, but like maybe some recognition of what's going on right now. But. In the past, in the past major hero events like All Might's final fight and um, 
All Might's original fight ticket. That was it was a big deal. Like if somebody um if the heroes were all out doing something important, like it would made all the news channels and stuff. So it does strike me as very weird that everybody else in the world is kind of serene right now. I think maybe they didn't think that through as well as they could have. Or I mean to your credit as your 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 uh your um your sarcasm. Like they don't broadcast maybe this is one of those situations where I mean people will probably realize that there's a significant lack of heroes um and maybe the and news also, hmm? also a significant lack of live people in that town at this point yeah maybe they're intending to like maybe they're intending to i guess maybe they're going to figure fix whatever's going on there with like the lack of like people reacting possibly i mean a lot of people also like, i mean some of these people we've seen that they've been looking around we have a family member who's a hero so it's like you know maybe they're kind of aware though i will say that i expected at least either something from midoriya's mother that poor woman's been doing too much right now to hear that her son's like in the middle of a war <laughs> and then mm-hmm. bakugo's mother i feel like she'll pop off with somebody realizing her son's in danger but i don't know like i'm not the one making the story i'm just gonna throw out there that i think it's clear that they have no idea what's going on yeah, I'm willing to bet that they specifically those two definitely, but yeah, person nobody really knows what's going on. But I, it was weird. I just wanted to bring that up a little bit. Um, after Jeremy, you game hunter, I'm glad you did. You did a good job. I'm proud of you for doing your best. And we come back to where we ended up last time with all the nomus just coming out from underneath the ground. We have Grant Torino, Deku, and Bakugo surprised that there's still nomus. We actually learned really quickly that uh Teraki was controlling his to decay and he was able to save quite a few of the nomus but not all of them so there are in fact some dead nomus underneath that rubble <laughs> save or spare hmm? save or spare i think the word could be interchangeable <laughs> i feel like he just sort of like I don't know if he cared a lot about killing them, you know? No, I think he did. I mean, like I said before, the doctor was helping him and stuff like that before he got caught. The doctor even told him that these Nomus, like, uh, mm-hmm. you control them this way. And um, I think there was something about decaying, about, like, I guess maybe like saving them from, like, the, the, um, the, the ceiling from falling on them or something like that. I definitely know he said that he definitely was able to save, or as you say, spare some of the Nomus, but it was still kind of shocking that, you know, they were underneath the rubble this entire time and they're finally woke up. And I guess thing they won't do anything unless they're told to, because I mean, the doctor does mention that they're really powerful, but they're also really dumb. Do you feel like that? I mean, they, we've really been hearing that pounded into our heads between the Nomus and Giganto Machina. Do you think the Giganto Machina was like an early version of what they're trying to do here? Same scientists, same people like involved. I don't, I, I, I see what you're talking about, but like, the normal, most Nomus don't have personality. Well, then again, I guess he could be an early prototype one where they didn't get rid of the person. 
Does he have, I mean, does he have that much more of a personality than any of the other ones? Uh, yeah, because he was able to defy an order. Nomos at this point we, that we are aware of don't can't defy orders. Um, yeah, but I mean, an early one wouldn't be like exactly the same thing, but it would have like a lot of similarities. No, I know. I mean, I'm just saying that. I mean, I know the meat that these Nomus, the ones that are all like black and whatever, like uh, <clears throat> are part of like we're not going at road jot. We're just gonna move on. Uh, what? No, that was a real cough. What are you saying? Sorry. I don't... Probably doesn't believe you. <laughs> Moving on. No, I didn't even... I was coughing and I didn't even fully hear what you said. What did you say that I would have coughed about? Most most nose are, are all black. And, oh. uh, LA. No, I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I lost I lost a great opportunity in my life. But, um... I know one of these talk about like they're wrestling the senses was wrestling with the personality part of making a, a zombie here, and I think he realized that they need to get rid of the human element. And I guess like Gigantimaki, if he is an earlier prototype of a uh, Nomu that they were trying to do, and maybe were, uh, were unable like a successful earlier prototype, but they were unable to replicate it uh, for whatever reason. They could um, do better. You know, like maybe they just thought, you know what, this is a good start, but I think we can, I think there's still room for improvement. We're going to keep working on our creation. They still actually don't, they still haven't used that Nomu that All Might managed to subdue all, all those seasons ago. I'm wondering where it's at right now. Isn't it? It's being held. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they still, we still haven't used it. I, I suspected it to come back because, like, if it all it's doing is sitting there doing nothing, like, and it, it, it and all it will do is respond to commands, and they definitely haven't destroyed it because they would have made mention of destroying that thing. Um, at that point, they didn't realize they could just incinerate them. So I'm pretty sure that no one was still hanging around. So uh, it just it's a surprise, and I guess maybe maybe he's not maybe he's nowhere near it. Maybe you were right all those episodes ago that uh. They need to be within a certain vicinity to even hear a command. Well, I mean, it's got to be within like radio distance at least, right? I don't know if because I know that Doctor says specifically that these no mood they messed around with radio waves. I don't know if they messed around with radio waves on that first no mood. If hmm. any, if anything, that no mood responded specifically to Shigaraki's voice in his vicinity. Like he actually specifically told him to fight All Might, and he went out and fought him. It was like a button that was pressed. Right. So we have a very um, advanced Shigaraki that they're dealing with right now. Yeah, also, um, I didn't realize that apparently on Endeavor Dang It, Eraserhead was like erasing his decay quirk and has been erasing it the entire time. I don't know where I missed that, but I guess I missed it somewhere last episode. <laughs> Yeah, well, last episode we were talking about how impressive it is that all of his quirks are being muted right now, and this is just raw physical ability, and how he's, like, clapping his hands or whatever and, like, able to fly through, like, the air with, like, simple things like that, and he's terrifying that, like, he's he's taking on, like, three of the top ten heroes and the two students with the most potential just while he's like chilling out and figuring out what he's going to do next and trying to get Deku. So 
they've really built him into like this force, like a huge, huge force here that um, everybody's trying to like contest with. And that's one of the more terrifying things about him yet. He hasn't even gotten really started, you know? And they they know if a racer head goes down, they're like, if we can't take this guy without powers, we have no chance when his city flattening power is like kind of into full, into full view. Um, that being said, what do you think about Endeavor? Like, what do you think about his pure endurance? Like, we know that that all heroes have a limit to them, mm-hmm. like of what they can do. We know, for example, Dobby was like burning himself out and like hitting the edges of his like ability and being kind of clever about it, but like nonetheless was kind of hitting the edges of his ability. What do you think about Endeavor right now? Like, with no pun intended, and I'm sorry for that, even bringing it up, but like, do you think, um, do you think he's burning himself out right now and just not talking about it? I, I mean, possibly. I mean, as I said before, Endeavor, when um, earlier on, when he was fighting that, he was fighting that high end, that first high end that we ever saw. He he, he pretty much got a, a real talking to of like of his ability and what his quirk is capable of, what his weaknesses are, which are burning out. All pun and apparently intended there. Um, apparently his body can't. His body can only take a certain amount of heat. So I'm pretty sure maybe he's already reached his limit and he's just pushing hardcore past it. Um, mm-hmm. I say this mainly because. Uh, I guess we also talk about Endeavor. Um, I mentioned during Dragon Prince that you know Varen was kind of changing a little bit. You know, he was flip flopping, you know, bef- you know, between you know wanting the, the you know the throne or whatever, and then you know doing what he needed to do to get the throne. And then he died, and he's come back. And I feel like he's gone through some type of metaphorical change. Probably not, but we'll see. But Endeavor, um, throughout the course of this series, not even like when his introduction to now, um. Endeavor has gone through probably some radical changes <laughs> from like wanting to be number one, wanting to fight All Might, you know, prove himself against All Might, All Might losing his ability, losing status as a hero, Endeavor mm-hmm. gaining number one just through happenstance because he was the number two at the time, um, to him asking All Might, you know, what was next. And we have that, like, as he's fighting Shigaraki. As all this is happening, we see him flash back, and this is all this is all talking about his his burning out. But um, we see him flash back to during the one of the in, like licensing exams, him in the him in the stands with All Might, you know, asking him like, "What do I do?" And All Might giving him some advice that honestly I didn't think he was gonna take, but it looks like it stuck with him a lot more than I was anticipating it. Um, so much to the point where it's like at this moment as he's trying to save the city and save his students um, the heroes here are showing that you know they really take their their job seriously and they really don't want to have the students involved and some of them are showing that you know they do truly believe in the students that they've been training um, Endeavor is going all out as you said before and he literally like he does a move that I've never seen him do before, and it it kind of mimics all, all Might's like greatest punch in like uh, that he's ever done. I think even the last punch he did against that Nomu, um, Vanishing Fist, 
but it proceeds with him flying and it looked like the move the hawks gave him you know with the with the wings and the and the burning feathers that he was flying towards him i don't know if that's all my i mean i'm not sure that's endeavor doing it by himself now or maybe hawks gave him some feathers before he you know flew the coop so to speak but um that punch even though it looked epic uh shigaraki was able to withstand it and um it was impressive but maybe he is slowly but surely burning out here i'm not sure how much more vanishing fist he can pull off yeah i i just don't see um he's been the front line this whole time he's not holding back he's using gigantic like things that clearly are special abilities he um honestly he seems scared now now with that i will say that um i want to I, mean, I was thinking about this actually as i was thinking about an eraserhead um now going all the way back to you know when the heroes realized that something was brewing obviously this but um they realized something was brewing they i know you mentioned that you know are the, are the students really powerful i didn't really bring this up at the time because i didn't really think about it but um during all of the training they were doing the heroes specifically brought up that they needed to speed up the training of their of uh, their prospective heroes the students because they don't know what's going to what's going to happen they're going to probably need to call on these kids to help save the world um and it was like one of the, i think one like eraser head you know was helping them gain more power and then be able to come up with super moves and i know i noticed that they brought up that sometimes like and this happened to the this happened to the villains where you know their powers grew and evolved um i was kind of wondering if like and this kind of applies to endeavor a little bit like can the pro heroes powers still if they haven't awoken is it possible for them to awake i guess some of their old like some of their some of their limit you know like maybe some of their ultimate limit i i say this because again i'm still stuck on this whole blue flame thing <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's still it still bo bothers me to an extent it's like why is it that we've seen one time in the entire show endeavor exhibit blue flame one time and it was really quick and again it comes back to his like whole like his body unable to you know disseminate heat it's he's building up heat and we know he's doing it here there's no way he's not um and it's like maybe uh, and this is probably very nowhere near there's no there's no t like we haven't seen a hero a pro hero you know um suddenly get more powerful in the middle of a fight we've seen that with the villains we've seen that with some of the children showing up new new limits and whatever we haven't seen a pro hero do this um in fact, we've seen Pro Heroes unveil new moves that we didn't know they had. Like, what's the possibility that maybe your hero's ability... I was thinking about this in terms of Eraserhead. One of Eraserhead's biggest, you know, weaknesses is that his his ability only works when he's looking at the looking at the person. But I was looking, wondering, because we've, we've spending a lot of time with Eraserhead, you know. And, you know, and we've seen a lot of flashbacks with him and him and it, him, you know, you know protecting his students we even see that you know some of them have made an impact where he wants to see where they go in the future and he's very very you know headstrong wanting to do that um so much so that it kind of compels deku to jump in and save them because they know that they lose if they lose and you know lose him specifically they're all doomed um i wonder if like maybe this has a racer heads abilities oh well because like one of like his weaknesses is the fact that his ability dries his eyes out. Um, 
in order to compensate for that, he has learned Kramagal or whatever he's learned to fight. But I was like, is it possible that maybe and this would be, I don't know, maybe this would be overpowered? Is that, you know, he could like, kind of like how a deadlock does where he locks somebody in a place. Maybe if like he can shoot out some like physiological or whatever from his eye that would lock an ability down from that being used for a, for a minute or two. Like not even for long, but just long enough that maybe it would be enough to t turn the tide of a fight, versus just having to stare down an enemy. Because I don't think this is—I think this is the longest we've ever seen a racer head or racing a racing ability. Am I wrong? Um, yeah, but I mean he has help. I mean, yeah, he gets the—he's out the water here. So I just—I don't know. Again, like there's probably no real basis in reality. I don't think maybe the pro heroes have already maxed out. I don't know. It just—it just seems kind of interesting. But um, I won't say it's not. Hmm? I just I can't see past the point that he has help making and so. But I mean, back to Nova. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's pretty. I like I said before. I mean, he vanishing, vanishing fist as impressive as that was, and it was probably made. It was probably designed to mimic All Might. Uh, yeah. and I say that mainly because like when he makes the fist, you hear the clapping of the of the fingers on the palm of his hand. And that's kind of signature of All Might whenever he makes his fists. And it looked, it almost looks similar. The only thing that was different was that it was all covered in flame. <laughs> and much weaker. But, uh... And I mean, Endeavor, like I said, I guess back to Endeavor changing, he's even mentioned that, you know, he he can't do anything alone. And and he, he even thinks back to All Might as he's, as he's having this moment about, you know, him doing his things his own way and, you know, not rushing into it. Like, I guess Endeavor is like, he's learning to lean on people more versus leaning on his own ability. Lean on me when you're not strong. I knew that was coming. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you beat your wife. Oh. Moving on, because I knew that was coming. Um, I guess back to Eraserhead. As we guess we're getting to talk about this all this together. Uh, pretty much, we see our racer heads like in there to fight. Shigaraki again is again intelligently scary. Um, realizes to to what to be terrible. intelligently realizes that like if racer head can see him, that means he can see a racer head. And as he lunges towards him with his own superhuman abilities, um. Essentially, Razorhead has this moment of like, I'm gonna take you out if I die. But um, apparently Razorhead had a knife on him the entire time, which was kind of weird. Uh, I don't um, know if that was support weapon or not, but um, he didn't get just to use it. <laughs> uh, mainly because Deku got involved and need him in the need Shigaraki in the face and pushed him out of the way. <laughs> Which was which, which was crazy. Um, Gran Torino wasn't fast enough to like you know get uh, save him. Deku um, acted immediately without thinking, because that's what a hero does. I don't know. Deku might have been thinking at that time, but like you know, or you know, as he was shouting that like you know, if while Racerhead has you know weakened him, like maybe they all should just attack him, you know. This makes sense, honestly. It's like if he can't use his decay crick, which is the most dangerous thing about Shigaraki at this very moment, why not all attack him while he can't use use it? 
Like, you know, that, that was the main point of not getting near him, because if he touched you, you were dead. Which is crazy to think that, you know, we got a villain now that all you have to do is touch you and you're dead. You and, like, everything within, like, a city block limit. Yeah, but he can control that. <laughs> oh, okay. We don't know how much he can control it. He said, I tried not to. We know it worked out this time, but we don't know how much it works out all the time. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying that. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that now it's like he's even he's he, he's 10 times da more dangerous than he was before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, Vault the Quirk, why does Quirk, he's just a normal superhuman man. So it's like, you know, apparently he's also dampening all his quirks. I didn't notice that. So that's crazy. I didn't think Eraser could do that because I thought Eraser could only erase one quirk. Like, you know what that makes me a little off topic? You know what that makes me wonder? What? That little observation the scientist made a while ago where he was like, so, like, when Eraserhead needs a quirk um, and a clone, it doesn't just make the clone, it doesn't, the clone doesn't disappear. It's just the quirk that's, that's neutralized. Very interesting. And then they just sort of never did anything with that fact later. Because Twice is, like, not with us anymore. So why did they bring that point up? Like, why was that a thing in the episode? I think, I mean, I'm not sure if you noticed it, but there was, like, several points of interest when it came to Eraserhead. And, like, even with Eraserhead's backstory that we got all that time ago, and, and I was disappointed with it. Thinking back on it, I don't think the point was to show that, like, Eraserhead was this very cool hero which i mean he is let's just face it um there's been a lot of points in like which the villains were specifically targeting him um and, and then we got we got that we got that revelation with kuragiri and then we even learned that the villains weren't actually aiming for you know who would later become kuragiri the villains were aiming for uh were for aim, uh, aiming to take a racer head I think the doctor even mentioned that you know the racing quirk is a really powerful quirk, and like you were the one that we were trying to get or something like that. It was mentioned a couple of times that Eraserhead has been the target of a of, of a lot of these raids that the villains were on. But I mean, but the heroes have been able to protect Eraserhead pretty pretty evidently, and we brought this up too. Like Eraserhead's like a huge like I think he even said it at one point that Eraserhead like the ability just to straight out like make a quirk and at work is freaking powerful. Um, as a team player, yeah. Uh, it, it, it was like you know they were aiming like specifically. There's been a lot of times that they were aiming for him, and it wasn't really apparent at the time. I think even like um in season one, I think when they first attacked UA, I think they were aiming for a racer head, but they weren't able to do it. I think, I think even like when they broke his arm and they were attempting to take him out or at least you know take him with them. I don't know what they were trying to do there. I think they were trying to get to a racer head. We, did, we, yeah, didn't we didn't know at the time, but I'm pretty sure that maybe that's what their their end goal was, and maybe their end goal still is to get to him. Um, because no one's ever stated that they were not trying to get to him, and and you know, and, uh, the villains have to also that you know, racer head's really annoying. Shigaraki <laughs> <laughs> has gone and call him really cool. They've they complimented him in almost every instance that he was there. It was never like uh, we need to kill him. Well, I mean, they, they probably have said we need to kill him, but uh, 
in those instances, like it, it always seemed to be a compliment. It never seemed to be like a, you know, a negative instance of like of talking about him. It's just like he was either annoying or he's really cool or something like that. You know, you, you, like, it seems like even back when he was a kid, they were trying to get his quirk even back then. Mm-hmm. So it, it just seemed like I raise that it seems to be a sticking point in, in some conflicts when he's involved in it. Uh, I mean, it might just be coincidence, but at the same time, it's just one of those things like, you know, it, I noticed that for a reason he's been he, like, Eraser has been a target and it sounds like he keeps still wanting him to be a target. I I, I don't know what ultimately going to happen here. It, it sounds like eventually, you know, they will get what they want, but, you know, but at, at what cost? I mean, who knows? Um... It just seems really weird. Like, like I mean, every time they, I mean, you can. I'll let you talk. It just seems really weird. I guess to me, it's like, huh. I wonder how long they're gonna keep trying to get to. The idea of like important people being protected is like very, very prevalent in this. Um, the whole season so far has been one one character trying to protect another for one reason or another. We had it with. Um, we had it with twice. We had it with. Uh, Oh God! What's her name? Twi- We've had it with twice. We had it with um, Dark Shadow going to save Hawks. We had it with all of the teachers trying really hard to protect their students. We've had it with the students protecting the teachers. We've had um, even something like everybody trying to protect Shigaraki, be- and he's the last line of defense because they want him to complete his evolution. Um, Shigaraki, like at least. You were using the word protecting, and I was using the word sparing, but, like, as far as the Nomus go, Giganto Machina being, like, undyingly loyal specifically to Shigaraki and, like, protecting and help and working for him specifically. Um, there's been a, lot, a long theme here of, like, everybody protecting everybody, especially teachers protecting their students, but the students are definitely, in turn, like, turning them back over to the teachers, too, and saying, like, we've got to protect you no matter what, guy. So I think that's a really interesting like thread that's emerging in this series that like of like every single like hero hero and villain it seems like is in the process of protecting somebody. Even like down to um what's the guy's name? The the guy who gets more powerful with stress. Oh Destro? Or Ray Destro? Yeah, even there was a line like this with Destro where he said he said um our leader is like our leaders, this is going on. Our leader must be vulnerable. Let's go, like, let's go protect him. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, uh during the situation where, like, you know, Sugaraki's in trouble with uh, Deku and uh, Bako specifically, um, when Deku was near him, all my, uh, all for one, well, wait, is that one? I forgot. Like, the, the, uh, his master is like, Will is still inside the crook that he gave him. And he was taking over. Um, the whole with the whole villains and Shigaraki being the central point for all the villains, you know, gathering around. Shigaraki is becoming um, the next Lord of Evil. I'm guessing is what he called his master. But uh, you know, he's being he's essentially their superhero. You know, he's their uh, their beacon of darkness. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, he's the. Uh, He's essentially becoming that person that people can depend on. So them trying to protect Shigaraki when they can 
uh, is like, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, the, the, the theme of protecting somebody that you care about is coming up a lot here. Robbie? Oh, did, did, the they, did they bring her in with, with, like, is she a part of, like, some group? No, they brought Uraka her... in, I could have sworn they brought Uraka in and they brought Froppy in as a pair. You said, um, someone you care about a lot, and then just my mind immediately went to Froppy for a second, I'm sorry. As you can tell, I didn't, I didn't even break, I didn't even acknowledge it, and you went to, you had to go ahead and just, it, it, throw an acknowledgement there. Couldn't help yourself, huh? No, I couldn't help myself. She's, she's, I mean, she stands. Like, they're saving her to say, they're saving her in the story, you know, like, step up and save the day. Like, she's definitely the Goku of this story. Everybody's just holding off until she gets there. It's really uh, crazy with Shigaraki. I mean, at least Bakugo and Deku are there to help Endeavor out with, uh, with Shigaraki. Um, you bring up that uh, Bakugo says, let's tackle this rationally. I guess that tickled you a little bit, huh? Yeah, I just, I mean, of all the characters to say, let's be rational about this, guys. Hang on. It's definitely not Bakugou that I would have put in those shoes. I mean, I think he could think, think rationally. He just likes to say what has come to his mind, though. Like, spago has been, been, has been that character that, like, you know... He, he said he was, it to me, he, he, let's do this rationally. He, he's, he's like that, uh... He's that crazy firecracker that you wouldn't expect to actually be able to think. You know, I mean, it's, it's been shown over and over again that Bakugou can think, and Bakugou isn't that stupid. You know, Bakugou is able to adapt. The audacity. The audacity of it. Audacity, nope. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, um. It's it, audacious. It's absolutely audacious to be like, let's be rational, guys, when you're Bakugo. I, I, I didn't. I mean, hey, it was cool to me that he even said that. But yeah, I did definitely, I did definitely notice that when he definitely said that. I, I didn't say, I didn't really react to it because I was just kind of like in my own mind. He said that. I kind of zoned out a little bit because, but you know, hey, I'm expecting that maybe Baku is going to go through some like character-driven arc at some point. Maybe this is them like letting us know that they're they're working on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Who knows? I don't, I really don't know. Again, the whole like Bakugo hanging around Deku thing, even though like he stated over and over again that he doesn't like him, doesn't make sense. But I mean, hey, hopefully they'll talk about that because like, that's something I'm actually interested in. But um. Mm -hmm. So one for all, um, apparently, like, and we already know he's, like, broken ascended. Um, there's a scene not long after that where one for all in Shigaraki is, like, starting to speak to him and be like, you know, I, it's time now. Like, go, like, I mean, yeah, he put his, I think he essentially put his will. I, I'm well, What we know, I think all for one, you know, allowed the doctor to transplant his quirk all for one into Shigaraki. I think we know at this point that all for one is just trying to collect abilities that, you know, essentially we're going to let Shigaraki do what he wanted to do, whatever mm -hmm. that meant. Um, and he had a, he had a copy of his original quirk. I'm as, I'm pretty sure what happened there. And I mean, we, I, I don't know if we all can agree on this. I think somehow uh, it all for one put a little piece of him inside Shigaraki. Ew. Um, and, uh, was trying to take over his body and Shigaraki wasn't having it. <laughs> I don't disagree at all, but what's really interesting to me about this beyond that is that um, 
he uses decay on the like the visage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was in his mind though. But is it like is it another dimension of his ascendancy? With Shigaraki's or all for one? Um, Shigaraki. Is he like is that another like example of Shigaraki like kind of ascending beyond? Because they've called him an ascended one. And we no, know that I he's think... throughout his new power he's got new and improved control over his powers. So is the fact that like he uses it in his mind metaphorically like Sort of like another layer of how he's like kind of grown beyond like what he was. I think it's or is it a fire image. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's a pro- uh, I should probably shut up when you're talking. Uh, <laughs> nah. But no, I think it's metaphorical. I don't think it has anything to really do with Shigaraki's ability is growing. Um, and I think it is just a metaphor for him. You know, him outgrowing his mentor again. Overlord has stated that um, one of the biggest problems with All Might and Deku's relationship is that All Might isn't really willing to move out of the way um, and like let Deku experience and do things on his own and make mistakes, like he's let Shigaraki do, which is what led to this moment. Um, I think what Shigaraki did there is it was really cool to see him actually decay his master in his mind. Um, I, I did notice. I just did not really put it in words, but. Um, I think it was meant to say that, you know, he, he, I mean, he's even stated that, you know, I don't want to be you. I want to be better than you. But I think it was really poignant for Shigaraki. Again, is that, you know, Shigaraki is thinking and he's like manipulating, he's, he's forming plans. He's doing tactics. He's actually being a leader, which is something that, you know, he was always supposed to be to begin with, but, you know, he didn't have the chops for at the very beginning of his journey. Um, I think with him decaying his master there was showing that, you know, I don't need you anymore. And uh, he will, I, I guess he will, quote unquote, try to kill him if, if you know, if the, if the, if the opportunity presented itself. Um, I, I, I looked at it like as like the situation when Shigaraki was like out, you know, when they get him out of that uh, that tube earlier and when he <laughs> seemed to be dead. Um, when, when he was in his own mind as, as he I noticed, I said this before. I liked how um, Shigaraki was in the middle, but his master was on the left, but his family, the one that he left behind that he killed, um, was on the right side asking him to, you know, come back, we forgive you, stuff like that. But Shigaraki wasn't having any of it. He was walking away from them. And actually, as he was doing that, they were decaying. And he was walking into the warm embrace of his master, the one that took care of him all that time. Um... You know, I guess it's a really weird thing. I guess you can appreciate this. It's kind of like how a kid, you know, is raised by their parents and they grow up and they eventually do move on. You know, they don't need the parent anymore. Um, yeah. And dad leaves you and you cry and you say, come back, dad, I want you. And and he says, I don't want you, son. Like, get out of my life. And you're like, but dad, please. And he walks right out of the door. Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably part of every kid's life. You need a hug. And, yeah. Does that sound incredibly serious? You <laughs> to address that. I would, I would assume. Last time I asked you for a hug on Discord, you said you told me to just go to Jesse about it. I, mean, I, st- I still stand by that statement. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of like interesting 
how like even I mean Sugar Rock does come out and say that he he's grateful for how he was raised, but you know he wants to be better than him because he even we go back to the flashback. He brings up like how he always wondered how one man could suppress another with just one ability, you know, or like one just you know he was able to suppress one man somehow you know by himself. Apparently Sugar Rock always thought that was weird. Again, it brings goes back to Shigaraki's mindset about like how he wants to do things, he how he wants to be better. If he needs help, he'll go out there and get it. He's not ashamed of it. Um, what do you think about the fact that Shigaraki seems to have a way to um, take powers? Well, that's the thing. Did you forget that all one of like the the actual thing to, about All for One's ability was that he could just take abilities. He gave that Shigaraki. Okay, sure, but like, how? What, when is the one? Okay, so he's able to take them and transfer them. Can he do that? Does and it, does he know that he can't? To um, has um, it ever been stated that all for one can't like use all for one on one for all? Was that was was that specifically stated in the first place? Huh? So it's been transferred from somebody to him, right? No, that was his quirk. His quirk was that he, um... Well, he, he was the one. All for one was the stockpiling quirk, but the stockpiling quirk merged with another quirk that they didn't know the little brother had, and it became one for all. I know you're talking mm-hmm. about like, how it was stated early on that, you know, no one could, like, unless the will, the user willed it, it wouldn't leave. But who's to say that because all for one for all was um, all for one, um, who's to say that that, that rule doesn't really apply? I don't think it was ever situation stated that he could not physically pull that quirk from the body. Yeah, that's fair. So to your point, I mean, who's to say that, you know, like the role didn't apply to, I don't know. I mean, the, the quirks have been separated for so long and there's a possibility that you're right. You know, that maybe one for all, it, uh, you know, all for one is mistaken that the quirk isn't his anymore. Who knows? I mean, he's still after it. So we'll find out eventually whenever they, I guess, meet and he's able to attempt to take it if that happens at all who really knows i don't know do you know nope well that's two people that don't know. i really don't know like i, I mean i thought i thought i read that in your notes so i was like doesn't he know that he could that the one for all just takes people's abilities <laughs> um i guess i i didn't know it the way i should have known it but because I, I I think what I was less clear on was that Shigaraki had that ability. I mean, they stated they stated it. I think earlier on, when if back when they were still inside the underground area, that uh, they specifically said that All for One had a copy of his ability, and that that blew my mind. I didn't realize that what that's what was happening. Right. At some point, at some point, All for One had a, his ability uh, copied, and then he just he, he took the copy, but he left the the real one with his. His, his uh, student, essentially making, as you already stated, Shigaraki the Nega Deku, <laughs> the oh, the other, you know, the the other Deku, you know, whatever, you know, the the guy, that the two characters now have like the most powerful quirks in the system, in their bodies right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, effectively, I think I even said that it's kind of cool that now that you know he's the other half now, you know, and I mean, it, it literally has gotten to the point where now it's like. When they were near, it literally overtook Shigaraki's personality a little bit, and um, apparently there was a red line, and I don't know if that was blood or if that was the, 
the quirk taking over. Uh, no, the only line I know, the only line I know anything about is blue. So I don't know about the red line. There's like this thin blue line I hear about a lot. I think I'm missing some connotation, but you know, in in the effort to 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 not get uh, drawn in this 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 rabbit hole, we're gonna move on to the half of the episode. <laughs> Um, so, so then, um, the other half of the episode, I assume, is Giganta Machina. Yeah, I mean, I think we can actually almost wrap this up succinctly a little bit. Uh, Giganta Machina, like, I mean, like, when they say he's the walking disaster, they were not kidding. <laughs> Nobody can stop him. I mean, Mountain Lady literally had a nosebleed just trying to keep him from moving forward. Uh... I mean, even like Dory Destro is like, you know, he's coming out saying, we gotta go and save or help our master, apparently. Which is surprising. Yeah. And did he have his legs back? He must have. He was standing. I mean, they don't show they don't show him from the waist down, but he looks like he's sort of standing up or something, so he must have gotten a hold of something. I guess I mean, if they're I mean, a like, a guy's gonna, like, hang on to his mechanical leg back up, you know? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, it definitely. It, it, I mean, yeah, we can definitely see that his allegiance has definitely shifted. You know, he he's uh, he's really given into the whole being a lackey thing, um, really easily. I noticed. Iraqi doesn't seem to have a lot of um, respect for him. Similarly, because when Jikanta Machina goes to grab people, he grabs Spinner Compressor, Dobby, and Toga, the original crew, but he doesn't grab that guy. He kind of leaves him to, you know, pound sand. I mean, would you? <laughs> would I get him? Yeah, I mean, uh, like... He seems valuable, and he seems like he's proven himself to be loyal. I, I don't know if I'd not get him. I feel like you could just dispose of him when you wanted to. Not saying that he, he doesn't have his uses, but... I feel like he's like a... He's like a... He's not, he's not like a... Uh, he's not like Tupperware. You can't reuse him. But I think he's like a Zabal Relationships with a lot of the new blood in this game. I mean, the only person that gathered from that new gang, <clears throat> and that was Dobby, he grabbed the the guy that could make anything anthropomorphic, apparently, because he apparently yeah. liked him when he first saw him. Yeah, skeptic. So I was like, you know, that's the only person I think they did grab from the new era. Um, Don't know why Dobby did that. Again, Dobby seems to have his own, like, um... He's got, yeah, agenda. he has planned nothing to do with what is going on otherwise so i mean yeah, there, there's that it obviously dobby's got something going on whatever that is i guess he's going to be his own major villain in, in the arc later on i'm guessing based on what's happening right now um though dobby well, seemed to seem to have some respect yeah. for shikaraki now i'm not sure how much of it though what that makes sense if um if dobby ends up being endeavor's son like you're pretty sure in that case, it would track that. Um, if that's the case, it would track that he uh, becomes a major villain later on, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if he does, I mean, the, 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 it just seems kind of weird because, like, I mean, again, Dobby has not been, you know, this has actually probably been the most active he's been ever since his introduction. Like, his, like he usually has stayed in the background or just not being seen. Period. 
Like, I mean, like, ever since the introduction, like, at the end the, the of season two, I think it, it was yeah, season mm-hmm. two, um, he has not been active. We know he's been there, but he has not been active. There was a point where what? we didn't know what his quirk was, and, and now we do know what his quirk was, but we didn't, now we know don't his motives. But he's, he's been mm-hmm. active recently, which is kind of weird, considering, like, how very little, at the time, he respected Shigaraki. I feel like he's gotten some respect, not a lot. I think he's got some respect for Shigeru Rocky. Can I can I point out that I don't have, have an enormous amount of respect for him? Hmm? What? He, uh, he doesn't seem very powerful if he can't hold his own against um, even uh, Dark Shadow alone. Well, who's a, who, who's to say that like that like I mean yeah, Dobby has said that you know he, he burns himself when he uses his flame. <laughs> But who's to say that like that's really a weakness? And who's to say that Dobby's really been fighting at full steam? I don't know. I mean, I know he fought Hawks before, um, before he fought Dark Shadow. But like, the fight against Hawks was kind of more of a curb stomp. Like Hawks didn't do very well. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, say so, you know, is that doing like well against Togiapin? But who's to say that he was actually fighting seriously or whatever? I mean, we know Dobby is like, uh, he isn't always like, uh, like, you know, like, uh, you know, upfront with his goals or his, uh, his intentions. Obviously, yeah, I mean, so we don't know if he was fighting at full steam or whatever. If that was yeah, just I a mean, show. That's debatable. I mean, I could see it. Thank you. I had to get it out. Uh-huh. I can, I can, I can feel you dying as you couldn't get it out. I needed to. It was like it was like in me. It was deep inside of me, and it had to come. I think you brought some time last few podcasts about like how heroes are losing. You know, they're seeing a lot of damage done. You know, um, besides like um, the rabbit hero uh, losing a lot of her limbs, uh, well, getting her limbs crushed. Uh, we see Mount Lady trying to hold Gigante Machia, and I foresaw this conversation happening, but. It, didn't it didn't go the way I was envisioning it? I thought she was gonna fight, and we we're gonna see what she's truly capable of. Unfortunately, all we got was her, essentially a big man pushing against a small woman who could not hold him back from moving forward. And even the um, little, huh? Sorry. What? I wouldn't exactly call her a small woman, but she was. Tamakina <laughs> was. I mean, according to the wording of the show, they said that he was like two times bigger than she was apparently like i mean they weren't really like the same two feet tall to like they weren't you know she wasn't exactly the same height he as he was as well i was, was getting like he's size her size and everything didn't match up with his he was 82 feet tall <laughs> can we talk about the fact that he was 82 feet tall for a minute please I mean, metrics are not my strong suit, sir. So, like, I mean, you say these words in your in your uh, thing. I was like, that doesn't really mean much to me. Yeah, he's a really big man. That's all I really got. I said feet. I I, could, I took the time, like, off stream to like calculate it. Like, I looked up to see what twenty five meters was when it translated over. It's and it turns out it's eighty two feet tall. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, he's I a giant man. I'm just saying, but like, I mean, according to the word, was she wasn't, she was her size was not comparable to him, and like, 
it just didn't seem fair to me that you know she was trying she was the one that decided to i mean yeah she's a she's got a giant gamification but it's like what were you expecting her to do i mean i don't even think she could suplex him because she would need to get around him and for him to be still for her to get around him and then flip him over and there was no way she was doing that again like in the context of that of their powers or whatever their size she was kind of a small woman i have to insult her i'm just saying that you know com comparatively so like there was nothing she could have done she was struggling so hard just to push him back and it wasn't even working she was being pushed backwards so yeah. to the point where she had a nosebleed so it, it was like she grabs onto him and slows him down slightly according to creaty it's with the help of Kami Woods. I mean, that that, that was uh, Jiro that said that she heard his footsteps slowing down. So, I mean, yeah, as he was charging forward, she was able to slow him down a little bit. It wasn't that much. Again, this man's a giant man. This is a hulking behemoth. Yeah. Not to, not to, you know, say that what she wasn't doing wasn't helpful, but at the same time, it was just like... I feel that she got like I think this is probably the first time we've seen in this entire season, the entire show. I think this is the first time we've ever seen, you know, Mount Lady get thrown around. Like normally we don't see her get thrown around. Um, very rarely. Like if she usually sit down in a building or something like that. But you know, whenever she's on the field, she doesn't normally get thrown around that much. The fact that she was thrown around by uh, Gigantomachia is probably in a feat in itself because most people who fought her had trouble trying to do that. You know, they had trouble, you know, dealing with her size. Unfortunately, Gigantomachia being 82 feet tall was, was kind of the, the limit. Did, were you, did you find that exciting that, like, that worked that way? No, I just was like, he was like, okay, well, I mean, uh, this is just to be expected. He's a giant. She's a giant. I mean, there's nothing, there was, nothing didn't kind of go, nothing kind of went according to plan. <laughs> like, you started out by talking about how what she was doing was quite a feat and then you talked about how many feet tall she was and it just it's starting to sound like you have a feet fetish or something no i don't why why, why are you projecting why am i projecting what i think you're the one with the feet fetish well you used feet in two different contexts in one no, sentence I, no, the I second did. time really announcing the word feet and it just makes me wonder if you had a feet fetish that's all no, it's okay. It's okay with me if you do. Speaking, like, speaking of like this entire Machia thing, because um, I'm not judging you, I just I just noticed. I'm just like I don't oh, have what? a I don't have a feet fetish. Okay, we can just move on. Okay, okay. this well, isn't well, even me trying to. No, I don't have one. We've never had this much of a conversation related to feet before, and it's just all in one stream, and it just it just seemed a little sus to me. Is all I'm saying. It just you know. And um, talking about like the midnight conversation, well, not midnight. Talking about like my latest conversation with Gigantomachia, we have a. Um... Then you transfer right over to the porn hero. Okay, well we, we can talk about that. Midnight trying to uh, stop get Gigantomachia, and um. Why does she rip um part of her? Uh, she has to. Her quirk comes from her skin, and apparently the clothes restricts her ability to make that mist. So it's having like, a little bit of extra shoulder is like all the difference there, and she's never thought about how she can handle this ahead of time. Uh, there's been talks about like costumes in My Hero, and about like how there's a law and how much skin they're allowed to show. 
she's the reason and i've actually seen some of her past costumes um and this is from like the my hero vigilante series that i am now interested in reading um more of now but um i want to also point out i think i already said this to you in discord i'm really upset because in my in my research of trying to finding out first i wanted to learn about who the heck majestic was because she brings up majestic but also says that this is too big for him I didn't realize that they were talking about that magic hero dude. Um, he's able to make rings, apparently. He can, like, throw rings into people and then move them. But apparently, if they're bigger than a certain size, he won't be able to do it. So that's what she meant by um, this was too much for him. Uh, and then she brings up the fact that putting them to sleep is, like, against the law. And in my research, trying to figure out where the heck this was stated in my academia, I could not find it um, and inadvertently spoiled myself on something. So I think it's a censored version of saying they're going to put him down. I think it might have been a mistranslation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, sleep can be sleep can be determined as killing them. Um, I just know, kind of coming to sleep like they're going all the other on them. Yeah, I just like I was trying to figure out maybe they meant something more than that, because like, I mean, uh, her ability is to make people fall asleep. That's what her salmon so an ambulance lust is is like mm-hmm. putting people to sleep that maybe maybe she had more of an ability than we thought of um speaking of which she was a trooper she was doing her best to and also failing of trying to stop this giant behemoth she didn't i mean she did her best but it wasn't much she uh she kind of jumped up with kami she was Ken. trying to put him to sleep but uh your favorite villain compressed man Stop that! Sort of threw a street at her, but it wasn't just compress compressed man that did it. Like it was also, um, it was also Dobby like shooting her with. Dobby no, shot Dobby her. shot uh shot Kamui Woods, but um Kamui just tossed her out of the right. flame. Once he shot Kamui Woods, she was like just sort of hovering in the air. You know, like she was going to fall hard at that point. And then they just sort of added insult to injury with the second shot. She was and also she... in very much big trouble down there, too. She looked very hurt. She was very hurt, yeah. And then you see, like, a few villains running her way, and she has a little spark and looks up at them. But I'm not sure what she thinks she's going to do, because it looked like she could barely stand. She's, I mean, she's a fairly advanced hero, and those guys look like jabronis, so there's there's a good chance that she'll get out of it. But, like... They definitely want the show definitely wants you to wonder if that's what's going to happen or not because you don't see her for the rest of the show yeah I but even I, I wish i could comment on that <laughs> even as she's down she follows that thread of um passing her wisdom on with her her last breath like she tells them like you know what the next thing to do is and comes out selfless and this is all sort of like very anti-stain to me like i feel like all of the stuff that Stain has been criticizing heroes for is sort of being like disproven. Um, that could just be me thinking it too, thinking about it too hard or something. But I just, as I was watching this, I'm like, boy, Stain was really wrong about the heroism of these characters. I mean, yeah, that was. I mean, you bring it up, and I was, I was thinking about that quite a bit as watching seasons play out. Is like a lot of the things like that. Um, we've only seen a couple of heroes kind of emulate what he's been talking about. 
But I don't even know if you even if you even call those heroes heroes because like you know, they, like I mean they had they had the title they had the costume but they their personality didn't line up. I mean it was almost like can you really consider these guys heroes? Like I mean I guess maybe that's what Stan was talking about, but um, and maybe Stan doesn't really know what's going on right now because like you know all my. He was talking about that. He was all he was just talking about All Might and how like All Might was and how he honestly thought that that was his ultimate hero. If you weren't gonna be like All Might, you were nobody. Essentially, is like what he was going on. He was like a, I would I would honestly compare Stain to like a crazed fanboy, but a fanboy that could do something about it. <laughs> sure. Like, you know, it was like I would compare him to that. You know, it's like he was like a fanboy, but like a fanboy that you probably couldn't stop. Um, you know, he had his own will, and people were scared of him. He was able to take down quite a few heroes, actually, pr- pr- almost pretty easily. Um, he did a lot. I don't, I don't know how he would hang in the situation that everybody's in right now. I don't know if he'd be as tough. You know what I mean? Coming across as tough as he is right now, but um, he would be. I mean, he'd be a threat. He'd be at least mid tier. But like, if you put Stain up against Dobby, I feel like Dobby would have a really good chance. If you put Stain up against Twice, I feel like Twice would have a good chance. I would even like, even somebody like uh, Toga, I think, would not be out of her league if she was fighting Stain. Now I'm listening to you. I just like, uh, I was waiting for a chance. Hey, uh, and Andrew. <laughs> Toga was a really interesting fight because both of their abilities are based on um, drawing blood from the other. Yeah, it's interesting that we haven't had a hero's whose ability was based off of blood, I noticed. Yeah, they're both based on blood, so it would be interesting to see how that worked out. Um, Andrew says you need better points. <laughs> well, Andrew hasn't been here through all my super smart points that I've been making. Uh, y- yes, we were talking about image, uh, My Hero Academia. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, any fight with Stain in it would be yeah. interesting. I mean, he's still oh around. God. He's in jail, so. Andrew, tell me more about Froppy. Please. Uh, as um as um as, as midnight having her like you know her rowing you know um her uh, her pep talk with uh y- Yairozu and um telling her at least like I was surprised that apparently okay so she told I think maybe whatever anesthetic that he told she told Yairozu to make was illegal I'm guessing is kind of what I was what maybe like what the translation was trying to get at um. Cause uh, uh, the conversation happening in chat right now, uh, <laughs> that uh, for, uh, you know that um, did you do what you gotta do even if it's illegal? You might you might do something that's illegal apparently. Um, it was really interesting that she was the one that was, gonna, was telling them that as she was like down there really um. Uh, you know, uh, down there, on, like you know, on her like last like leg, trying to defend herself, 
she couldn't do anything about it, telling Yoyo Rosa to either run or um, help out the heroes was kind of cool. Uh, they even have another flashback of, you know, apparently, you know, Midnight saying that she saw potential in Yoyo Rosa and that she believed in her. Um, I don't know, like, with that, it just seemed like, like it, those, those kind of scenes always scare me because it, it always seems like a last hurrah thing that we're never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. I was serious, those type of like, and like, I like, I like Midnight. Um, it took me a while to come around to actually liking her as a character, like, but, um, I'm still new there. Huh? Nothing, go ahead. But I like her as a character. I, I hope she doesn't die. It's like, I'll yeah, see more of her later on. They seem like they, they don't like to kill off pro heroes. They let the big heroes, they seem like they like to permanently disable them. That's been the trend. All Might, um, the cat one that had the seek ability, um, best genist, as far as we know, is not dead yet, although it's seeming increasingly likely. Um, it seems like that's been the pattern that like they've been permanently disabled but not necessarily like killed but i but you know i like her as a character um yeah your rose ends up coming with a plan after uh you know wrestling with uh every all the ideas in her brain like she normally does you know she uh but she's a lot better about it now and she's able to uh come up with a quick plan telling jiro and joji to use their abilities to tell how far gigantomachia is and as after did he find out that he is 80 foot, 82 feet tall, and he's closing in really fast? Um, Yairoza ends up popping out, I guess, like jars of an anesthetic that I, I don't know what they're planning to do. Because like, literally, as she raises the the jar up to the screen, the it you know the episode ends, and I'm a very upset person. <laughs> uh, so like we are leaving on a cliffhanger that you know they're going to do something and it's going to involve anesthetics. Um, I wonder how much it will take to knock that guy out. <laughs> and it's essentially the end of the episode there is, you know, the, you know, you know, she's got her plan. Aw. What did you do? I put a YouTube link in there, and it, it the moderator knocked me completely offline for five minutes. I didn't oh, know yeah, that I, have to, I have links disabled because just trying to prevent random people from telling you, like, you had to be like a VIP or a. Um... That's all right. I'm not like I need to chat in the next three hundred seconds. I just I didn't expect it. So yes, do continue. So it looks like, I mean, you said how much anesthesia is it going to take, but, or whatever they're using to put this guy out. She can create a limited amount, but there doesn't seem to be, there's no limit to how potent it would be, right? I mean, she'll have, I mean, again, her ability to make it depends on how she understands it on a molecular level. I mean, I don't know, like, if there's a difference in molecules and a really potent serum. I mean, it looks like I don't know. Yeah, but if Midnight has been training her, Midnight has probably taken some time to train her about how to use the chemicals, right? She's Midnight's student. I guess. I mean, 
guess that makes sense. I mean, like, like I don't know, like, like, I, like, I honestly think there would be a limit to how potent it is, but maybe not. Who knows? I mean, we don't, we, the, the limitation on her quirk is all just based on her her uh, her ability to imagine it. It stands to reason that she would be able to create the same like chemical that Midnight could make as her student. That Midnight would be like, let's let's get you hooked up with my with my ability to do this, and create it. Crowley could analyze it and learn how to actually do it. It just stands to reason. It's not. It's definitely not out of the question that she can create the same thing. I mean, if she understands it on a, on that like on a molecular level, yeah, it's not it's it, you know anything. And I'm not saying she can't understand that on a molecular level. I'm just saying that that's what her limitation is: is her imagination, her ability to understand it mm-hmm. uh, th- theoretically. Um, I wonder if there was a way for her to actually research her the the mist on like when it creates. I mean, it would have to be because, like, I mean, it's a physical thing that she produces. The the more we talk about Midnight and her, like, and Crady, like, the more I realize how much they have in common. They need to have; they're both attractive female characters that need to have exposed skin to use their powers, and can create chemical-based weapons. Well, Grady can create more than just chemical-based weapons, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're very similar in in that regard. Mm-hmm. It was a. Uh, I want to bring up before we actually ended here, because we're actually getting close to twelve o'clock here. Um, I looked up some of her past costumes in my effort to do some research, and as again, spoil myself. Apparently, the belt, like the design for the belt, well, it's not similar, but like the fact that you know Yaya Rose was wearing a belt, kind of like a skirt. Midnight actually had one of her previous costumes where there's a belt that she was wearing like a skirt. Oh, it was interesting! Kind of like serendipitous that I found that when I did. I was like, "Wow, that's really funny." It's a good thing Midnight's not wearing that right now, because she's got a lot more hurt than she's got skirt. You know what I mean? Dang it. I know what you mean, but dang it. <laughs> Just dang it. Okay, with that, we're going to end the podcast here. Next week, we're going to talk about... Wait. Next week is Thanksgiving. No, I mean, we should still be able to do it, unless you're busy. Um, Next Tuesday? No, we can do next one. Next week, we'll be talking about the next episode of My Hair Academia. I think if it comes out next week. And then also another episode of Dragon Prince. Um... Thank you guys for stopping by. Uh, thank you for the people listening to our shenanigans. And uh, Spear here stopping me mid-sitting sometimes and me interrupting him a lot this particular episode. I apologize again. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys next time, next week. Fare thee well, gentle listeners.